Hi, I'm Josh and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and craft of nature photography. It is the 12th of September 2022 and this is podcast number 49 and this podcast is coming to you from Reykjavik in Iceland. I've just been having a few days off between Greenland expeditions. I actually returned to Iceland, flew back to Iceland a few days ago where I was helping to guide an expedition to Scoresby Sund on the east coast of Greenland. Uh, I have done many, many expeditions to this part of Greenland. It's an incredible location. I've actually just written up the trip report for this uh, for this expedition. So if you want to check that out, it's on my blog. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, so you can you can go and have a look at that. I have not as yet had a chance to do process any photographs, any of the raw files that I have shot on that that uh, that expedition. I just have not had time. I probably won't get time to be honest until I get back to Australia in middle of October. I haven't even processed any of the images I shot in Svalbard this July. So, and since I haven't been home since July, I really haven't had a chance to do it much more than just sort of download to my computer. So I have, um, I'll be actually be heading to Greenland again in a couple of days to the Southeast coast to guide an expedition with my good friend, Martin. And then I have another expedition after that to the East coast of Greenland again and Scoresby Sund before I head to Finland. So I'll actually not return to Australia until the middle of October. So it's quite a way, uh, quite a time overseas for me, I should say. Just while I'm um, thinking and before I get into the topic of this uh, podcast for today, if you hear any banging or crashing in the background, there's a lot of building going on here in Reykjavik at the moment. And I've been waiting all day to do this podcast, hoping that they will stop banging, stop drilling and cracking concrete and whatever it is they're doing. But it seems that they're going to go all night. So I decided just to get on with it. So if there's a bit of noise in the background, that's what it is. So let's get on with the topic of today, which is going to be shooting in the cold. This is going to be part four of a multi-part series on dealing with um, photographing in extremely cold environments. And there's quite a bit I want to cover in this podcast. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about equipment in this podcast as well. I really haven't talked that much about equipment as well. But just before I get into that, I want to talk about some of the other side uh, issues with shooting in the cold. The first one of which is how do you deal with going from a cold environment to a warm environment? Because when you're out photographing in extreme cold, and by extreme cold I mean anything that's sort of minus 10 and below, and you're coming into a warm environment, say something 20 degrees Celsius or above, you've got a very large temperature differential there of around 30 degrees. And what that can mean is you can end up with condensation on the camera, inside the camera, inside the lenses, and it can actually cause a real problem. So... I'll tell a story about that in just a minute, actually, because I've seen it destroy destroy a lens totally. But how do you deal with this issue of taking equipment from an extremely cold environment when it gets totally cold-soaked into a warmer environment? Well, actually, it's extremely easy. The best thing to do, in my experience, is to zip up all your camera equipment um, when you're still outside in the cold inside your camera bag. doesn't need to be any sort of special bag, just a normal camera bag that you can seal shut or a dry bag for that matter, zip it up while it's all still cold, take out the batteries if you need to, take out the memory cards if you're going to download, but zip it all up inside the camera bag outside and then take the entire camera bag inside into the warm environment and leave it. Let it come slowly up to temperature over the next two, three, four hours before you open the bag. And what that allows the camera to do is just to slowly warm up uh, to room temperature without that sudden jarring transition of going from extreme cold to a warm environment. And that jarring transition is what causes water to form on the camera or condensation. And water and cameras really don't don't mix very well, as we all know. So that's basically all I do. I don't carry anything special for 
taking my cameras from a cold to a warm environment. I just literally use my camera bag, zip it all up inside and just don't open it again for three, four hours, usually not till even the next day. Uh, and I find that works extremely well. You can also use just a plastic bag or any sort of bag that you can seal actually. Um, and what will happen is if condensation does form, it will actually form on the bag and not on the camera. And so if you're, you can actually see this, you can even test it. If you are again, working in an extremely cold environment, you can take the camera, put it in a plastic bag, then take a clear plastic bag, take it inside and you can see the condensation actually form on the bag uh, and not on the camera itself. So very cool little way to keep your, keep your cameras from um, having any condensation form on them when you're coming from a cold to a warm environment. So very, very simple too. You don't actually need to carry any special equipment for that. Now I did say that I would talk just a little bit about uh, the story with condensation. And that happened in Svalbard quite a few years ago when I had a client bring a camera and lens from minus 30 into a plus 20 room directly and condensation instantly formed on the camera and on the lens. And the client, they actually panicked a little bit and took it back outside. And of course, all that condensation actually froze uh, inside the camera and inside the lens and the next day when they went to zoom that lens because it was a 16 to 35 I think from memory some of the elements inside that lens the glass elements actually shattered so that's why you want to be extremely careful with not only your camera but your lenses as well when going from cold to warm environments so it's just good practice to put it all in the camera bag before you bring it inside so let's pop that one aside and just move on to dealing with some of the other issues that are out there um an interesting one that someone emailed me about was actually frost buildup on eyelashes. And that can actually be a bit of an issue. It might sound quite funny, but if you wear glasses, uh, it can actually become quite an issue as it can interfere with rubbing on the glasses and can become quite uncomfortable. There really is no solution to frost forming on your eyelashes or on your eyebrows other than trimming them short. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say that's about the only solution that I've ever seen that actually works. It works particularly well for eyebrows. I'm not sure how well it would work for eyelashes and I can't say I have ever tried it either. Um, but that's that's really the only way you can you can actually deal with it. And speaking of glasses, if you do actually wear glasses and you are dealing with a lot of fogging up, uh, and even if you don't wear glasses, if you're breathing heavily on the camera itself or if you're breathing uh, on the eyepiece, it will naturally fog up and that fog starts to freeze straight away and it can make it very difficult to see through the viewfinder or to see through your glasses. Again, there isn't a great solution for this. There are, there are fluids on the market that you can try that are anti-fog. Uh, you can apply these to glasses, you can apply them to eyepieces on cameras, and they can help to some degree. But it's been my experience that typically they need reapplication quite often. Uh, and in extremely cold environments, I don't think they actually work all that well in my experience. So I think the best solution is actually just to keep a dry, clean cloth inside an e uh, a pocket that you can easily get to. And if you do make the mistake of breathing on the viewfinder in the camera or your glasses do fog up a little bit when you're starting to photograph, you can actually just quickly grab a cloth and wipe them clean. I find that's the best solution. I haven't found to date a better solution than that for dealing with this issue. What I try to do when I'm photographing is not to breathe on the viewfinder, not to breathe on the LCD screen. Um, typically, I don't need to wear glasses when I photograph, so I'm not dealing with that as an issue. I appreciate that not everybody does. Some people do need to wear glasses, so they're having to deal with this problem. But you can train yourself not to breathe on the camera. So when you've got your eye to the camera, you can breathe away from the camera. And that's typically what I do when I'm working in a very cold environment. But I find that works really, really well. 
took a little while for me to train myself to do that, but now I sort of do it instinctually. I don't think about it. I'm just doing it automatically. Okay, so let's come to dealing with how you keep snow off the front element of the lens when you're working in environments, particularly in blizzards or heavy snow. And those of you who know me know I love to shoot in very, very heavy snows, very heavy blizzards because of all the drama it adds to the images. Uh, It's my favorite type of environment to work in when I'm doing wildlife particularly. And really the best solution when you're trying to keep snow off the front element of your lens is typically to use a very long lens shade or lens hood, the biggest that you can get. If you're shooting a 400 or a 600 millimeter lens, typically they've got quite deep lens shades and that will enable you to keep the front element clean. And the other thing that you need to do is not to point it into the blowing snow. So when you're not shooting, point, keep the camera pointed away from the, the blowing snow, keep it pointed with the wind rather than into the wind so the snow is not being blown straight onto the front element. Now, I often find that even doing this when I'm lying down on the snow, that because of the way snow tends to blow around, it will eventually build up a little bit inside the lens shade and can actually build up on the lens element as well, the front element. And again, dealing with this in the field can be a little bit problematic at times, but Typically, again, I'm just dealing with it by using a soft cloth that I keep in an accessible pocket on my jacket. And if I get a little snow on the lens, I can just wipe it away. The key to it really is not to get that, let that snow on the front element melt because then it becomes water and it can smear and can make more of a mess on the front element. So I typically will first try to just gently dust it away with a dry cloth. Uh, you certainly don't want to breathe on it and melt it. You really just want to get it off there while the snow is still dry and cold before it starts to melt. Of course, if it starts to melt, then you're going to have more of an issue. You're going to have to dry the front element. So your, your dry cloth is going to very quickly become a wet cloth, uh, and that makes things a bit more difficult. So it just takes a little bit of care. It's the same principles if you're out photographing in the rain. You really don't want to point the camera up into the rain. Uh, you want to keep that lens pointed down, keep it away from any anything that can get on the surface of it. And that usually helps... Uh, sometimes a, a rocket blower can also help, if, particularly if the snow is, is very, very dry. Uh, you can usually blow it off with a rocket blower. Don't blow on it by using your breath because obviously that hot breath is immediately going to cause the snow to melt. And the second it melts, you're going to have more of an issue again that you're going to have to deal with. So a dry rocket blower is a very good way to go as well. If you have one in your pocket or your camera bag nearby, uh, I recommend you also give that a go as well. The other thing just to keep in mind with lying on the snow and particularly this is more of an issue for wildlife photographers and I'm always lying down in the snow when I'm photographing with long lenses and there's blowing snow around as I said it's going to build up on the front element eventually but here's the thing I actually don't worry about it too much because typically I'm shooting my big telephoto lenses either wide open or very close to wide open so my 600 f4 I might be shooting it at 5.6 uh, 7.1, usually not more than f8 because I want a shallow depth of field. And typically, if I've got some snow on the front element, it's going to be so far out of focus that you're not going to see it anyway in the final image. The only time it ever really becomes an issue uh, for me personally is if it starts to interfere with the autofocus of the camera, at which point then I will need to stop and clean the front element and deal with it. But usually, if it's just a few spots of dry snow, or even if it's quite a bit that's built up in the corner of the lens, I typically won't bother to deal with it if it's not causing me a focus issue. And the reason for that is because it's so far out of focus that you just don't see it in the finished image. It's the same principle as if you put a a lens straight up to the bars at the zoo 
and you shoot the lens wide open, but you're focused on the animal behind, you actually won't see the bars that we thrown so far out of focus. Same principle applies with the snow as well. So that's also something to keep in mind. You don't need to necessarily worry about cleaning every little speck off the front element of snow when you're out photographing in that sort of environment. Sometimes you can literally just ignore it uh, and worry about it when it's only when it becomes an issue for autofocus. So let's move on to talking about batteries. Now, back in um, back in the film days when we had replaceable batteries, I think it was much more of an issue than it is now with the rechargeable batteries. Um, I think nowadays with the rechargeable batteries in digital cameras, particularly in mirrorless cameras, you can carry a lot of them. And the key is really just to keep one or two batteries in a warm pocket inside your jacket that you can cycle in and out of the camera as they tend to go flat. I found for myself when I was shooting in Ellesmere Island in March early this year in temperatures as low as minus 55 that I was typically only getting about half an hour to 45 minutes out of a battery before the battery would show as flat and I would need to swap the battery. So what I would do then is just take a battery from a warm inside pocket, swap it over, put the flat one on my, in my warm pocket and shoot again. And what I find would happen is one that was flat actually still had quite a bit of charge when it warmed back up. And that's a technique that can work very, very well. And usually I find that's enough. You can also tape chemical hand warmers to batteries as well. I've seen people do that in the field quite successfully. Um, if you do do that, um, and I typically recommend that you just keep an eye on how warm the batteries might actually get. Some of these chemical hand warmers can get pretty hot and lithium ion batteries don't really do that well with extreme heat. So I think it's worth just keeping an eye on your batteries if you do use chemical hand warmers on them. But having said that, I've seen someone use them in Ellesmere Island this March very successfully on a uh, R5 Canon camera, in fact, on two R5 Canon cameras, and it worked extremely well for them. I think that's really the the right approach, um, not the chemical hand warmers per se, but the idea of multiple batteries in the field that you can swap in and out as you need to. I've taken this approach myself down at the Emperor Penguins many times. I do find that nowadays I'm a little bit more careful with batteries than I used to be. When I was shooting the 1DX cameras, I used to get a full day out of a battery in pretty much any temperature. The R3 cameras I'm shooting do require and do use a lot more battery power. So I find I'm a lot more careful about keeping spare batteries around. And typically I am swapping batteries more often, not necessarily all the time, like not multiple times a day, but occasionally I do need to swap a battery and it's good to have one to hand if you do need to do that. So I think that pretty much covers off batteries. You can, of course, um, there are various solutions on the market as well for keeping batteries inside warm pockets and running cables out to the camera. I, personally, I feel that's more of a pain in the ass than it's worth. Uh, having to deal with cables in the field in extreme cold is always problematic in my experience. They become brittle, they get in the way, they're easily broken. I don't really like that as a solution. I think it's better to stay wireless. We live in a wireless world these days. So that's how I like to go uh, and, and deal with my batteries. I want to just shift gears a bit now and just go back to more of a personal nature, in fact, a very personal nature when I'm photographing in the cold. And it's a good one. And that is how do you deal with going to the bathroom? That is very obviously situation dependent because if you're out in the field like I was in Ellesmere Island in March this year and it's minus 35, minus 45, minus 55, there's no bathrooms and you've got to go to the bathroom. How do you deal with it? And the shorter answer is quickly and as carefully as you can. You find the nearest iceberg, you make sure you're all prepared and ready to go. You do your business, you do it fast 
and you move on as quickly as you can. Obviously, you try and do this out of the wind when possible because you don't want to risk frostbite on any of those delicate areas on your body. And this is perhaps almost a funny topic to talk about, but it is a serious topic as well because if you are out in these sort of environments or you're caught short when you're out on a snowmobile expedition in Svalbard or wherever it might be and you have to deal with this, you need to know how to deal with it. So the first thing I guess on it is just being prepared. So having toilet paper and knowing that you can get to the areas you need to get to on your body fairly quickly because you really don't want to be exposing those parts of your body for longer than you have to when you need to go to the bathroom in these sort of temperatures. And the short answer to it really is how to deal with it is you wait until you really can't wait any longer. You go as quickly as you can, as comfortably as you can, and you get back to whatever it is you were doing before then. There really is no other nice way to deal with this um, other than perhaps taking something portable with you in the way of a tent, um, which could be quite a bit of work for going to the bathroom. So I, I find this a question that I get asked a lot. <laughs> How do you go to the bathroom when it's minus 50 degrees? And I always answer it the same way, carefully and quickly. Um, that's really how you, you do go about it. Going to the bathroom, of course, in these sort of cold environments is not a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it is a natural process that has to be dealt with on a, on a regular basis. And there really is no other solution to it than, than what I've sort of suggested here. At least that's been how I've dealt with it when, um, whenever I've been doing these sort of trips. So I think that's it for today. Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link to that in the show notes. And that just helps with the hosting of the podcast costs me about $25 a month to host the podcast. Uh, and of course, all contributions to that are, are greatly appreciated and very much welcome. I will be leaving Iceland in the next couple of days and heading back to the southeast coast of Greenland. So um, I'll be offline for pretty much most of the next 10 days while I'm guiding this expedition with my friend Martin. Very much looking forward to going to this part of Greenland. It's not going to be super cold in Greenland as yet. I think probably most days we're going to have temperatures that are hovering just above zero degrees looking at the weather. Might be a bit of wind around, we'll see. Hopefully some very, very good image making. I am looking forward to it very much. We'll be flying from the Reykjavik domestic airport up to Tasselak. Uh, where we'll be taking the boat further. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that very, very much. I will probably not get a chance to do a podcast while I'm away in Greenland, but I will try and do one on my return. So that's it for now. This has been episode 49 of the Wild Nature Photography Podcast on the 12th of September 2022. I'm Josh and I look forward to seeing you out in the field.